boost your mood in New Jersey. Surprise yourself with new wonders. Stroll beaches and boardwalks. Discover places to dine and catch up with friends. See inspiring art, culture, and history, too. Savor sea breezes and explore all the treasures nature has waiting for you. Rise to the call of adventure or catch a wave into the ocean blue. Find it all at visitnj.org. The future will be amazing, and that's all well and good. But what about today? You can feel the rush of a 400-horsepower Nissan Z. Or climb to new heights in the all-terrain Nissan Frontier. Light up the road in the all-electric Nissan Aria that feels like a sci-fi dream come true. The future will be great, but today is made for thrill. All you have to do is get in a Nissan and drive. 2023 Aria and Z not yet available for purchase. Expected availability is this spring for 2023 Z and this fall for 2023 Aria. Hello, listeners. This is Jim the Keys Bartender. It is a warmer day here. We are having less and less volume down here. When I say volume, I obviously can hear my voice. I'm right up against the microphone right now. But with the season change and never getting warmer, also comes the inevitable goodbyes to our snowbirds. Snowbirds are leaving. Um, not that there's tons of listeners that are worried about the title of the show. It's time to say goodbye. It is not time to say goodbye for the podcast. It's time to say goodbye to our snowbirds. And they will be missed. Some people see the snowbirds and see this business down here with the spring breakers and say, well, I can't wait until they leave and things like that. I can't believe that some people that actually have businesses that rely on higher volume would even consider that. Would even consider that. Whenever there's a lot of traffic on the road and there's a lot of traffic at supermarkets and things like that, I know there's a possibility that I will be making a little more money and coming in contact with new and different people with different perspectives. I enjoy that. Actually, I need that when it comes to the podcast here just to stay fresh, right? So these uh, snowbirds, I can, a lot of them, most of them are repeat snowbirds. They come down, they come down every year, they come down and start, and some of them as early as October, November, uh, some in December after uh, the uh, holidays, and they stay for five, six, two months, and uh, the ones I've really grown close to are the Canadians. I mean, I have my regulars that come in from North Carolina. And uh, North Carolina is pretty much the furthest south we get snowbirds from. Because obviously when you start, there's not a lot of snow in South Carolina and Georgia and things like that. You know, we get those uh, people from the northern tier states. But the Canadians... They come down, and it's almost like they're escaping the Arctic winter. And they come down here, and they are so sweet. And I love my Canadians that come down here. I do. 
Don't be insulted, Americans. I just enjoy enjoy my Canadians. Even the ones I have political differences with are much friendlier than the ones I have political differences with down here, for the most part. Not all of them. And I got some close friends that I disagree with. But a lot of times we say goodbye to each other. Uh, it's uh, one couple that came down. They were actual scientists. And they sit at the bar and they come in for happy hour. They just left about uh, two weeks ago. Uh, two weeks ago this coming Wednesday was their last day. And they would sit at the bar. And there's several of our regulars. One that would come in and they debate and one of our regulars, as you know, Jimmy, Jimmy Hawkins, is a believer in the, in the flat earth. He has alternate science beliefs. And I looked at the, the Canadians were listening. And I said, well, what do you think of that? When, he, when they overhear my friend talk about the flat earth and explaining if you pour water over a basketball that the water doesn't you know, stick to the basketball, which is kind of a facile way to demonstrate a flat earth um, or why a round earth wouldn't work. So I asked them and they said, well, we were involved in science. And then I did a little more digging, find out they were in science. And actually the wife, it was uh, Dan and Jan, the wife was actually a geneticist. A geneticist. Which is, I, I'm not ranking the sciences and stuff like that, but that's pretty intense science when it comes to genetics. And that's very 20th century, right? Genetics. You don't hear about that from the 19th century. I'm in genetics. I'm in genetics. They were In the 19th century, they were still doing phrenology. Phrenology is the study of the shape of the head determining what personality group or... or or skill set you have, or things like that, whether you're a criminal or subnormal intelligence, by the shape of your head. The shape of your head. And that's was, I, I believe phrenology was pretty much disproved to be a inexact, if not non-science. It's one of those sciences that came about, people started doing associations with things. If you ever seen Monty Python and the Holy Grail, I think it was Sir Gwain or Sir Lancelot. One of them is has a witch on trial in Monty Python and the Holy Grail. It's a comedy. And they're, uh, a group of townspeople are ready to burn a witch. They bring a witch up and she has a carrot tied to her nose so it looks like she has a pointy nose and put on a, a hat on her and, or put on witch's clothes and things like that to make her look like a witch she's, you know to burn her that she's a witch she's a witch he says well she's you know you're going to have to do a little more investigating for that so what he starts doing this night of the round table he starts using scientific method to find out to witch and, they, and he starts using it an association, almost like Greek philosophy, is uh, you know wood floats, a duck floats, and if a witch floats, then she is. And they say she's a duck. No, 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 no. She's a wood made of wood, and if they're made of wood, they're a witch. 
So they would put it finally saying, if a, so a duck can float and wood could float. They put a, a wood, uh, you know, next to a duck and seen a, they relatively the same weight. And then they put the woman on with a duck and they end up being the same weight and they end up burning the witch. And an inexact science and probably an inexact scale since there's no ducks that probably weigh as much as a human. So we have, well, those Canadians, I digressed again. Those Canadians come in, we had a wonderful time. They were very polite and they were never shocked by the conversation. They fell in with the group. They sat there, they sat there as a couple, but they blended well with everyone. And on their last day, they gave me... Uh, some money and they said listen when we're gone please buy the regulars uh, that come in here for happy hour rounds of drinks until the money's used up and I did I brought it as close to 90, $93 I think it was yeah $93 as possible because you got, we have to pay 7.5% sales tax I wasn't saving any money. I know. I'm not trying to make myself look good. But I wanted to use as much money as possible that they had to purchase drinks for our snowbirds. I mean, that's from our snowbirds for our regulars. So when the snowbirds come back, I say, let's just, you just remember that those drinks were bought by you for Jan and Dan. And I said, oh, great. So when you come back next year, I'll remind them. And they said, we're probably not coming back next year. And I went, oh, no, we're going to Australia. And I thought, oh, my God, that's lovely. They're going there for about three, four months. What a nice life, you know. But then I had other um, regulars from North Carolina. Someone uh, left money. They, they have a tendency to leave money in my care to purchase drink and food for their friends. So that's what I do. That's some of the things he did. And one of, I haven't been in contact with Ira, one of our snowboards. He, he summers in um, Malaga, Spain. Right on the, uh, I think it's on the Atlantic, Atlantic uh, side of Spain, not on the Mediterranean side. Or it could be just on the other side of, of Gibraltar. But Ira spends used to spend a couple months here and then the rest of the year in Spain. Spend the coldest months. And we form these close bonds with people that come down in a couple months. Uh, Desiree and Jennifer. Desiree from Erie. They couldn't come down this year. Hopefully they'll be back next year. We're looking forward to that. I just sent her a message here to uh, see them. There are people we develop close bonds with that go away for a couple months, and when they come back, they you know they just want to update on things that happen, and they they fall into that shadowy shadowy area like the people that live down here or the vacationers. We got vacationers that come down for like a week a year, and I still remember them because they come in three four times in uh, the week they're here. I mean, that's something. I go, well, how long are you down here for? He goes, we only come down for a week. Only one week every year, and they seem like they're here for months. And it's not a negative thing. I'm not saying it's like, oh, you come down here for 
a week. It seems like months. That does sound kind of negative. No, but I enjoy their company. I remember them. I enjoy them. The guy that came back, a uh, couple that came back last week or two weeks ago was for St. Patrick's Day. And on St. Patrick's Day, I was wearing a, I think I was wearing a Coors Light St. Patrick's Day shirt. And he had one, his name's Greg. And he had a bar, uh, a, an Irish pub t-shirt on called Gregory's. And we traded shirts. We went outside and we switched shirts. I didn't want to do that inside, you know. It's not one of the things. It's not hygienic, is it? To really take your shirt off in a bar. That isn't a tiki bar. I've done it in a tiki bar outside when I was working. Even then, that's slightly questionable hygienic that you take your shirt off. To change. To change. I'm not saying take your shirt off and then bartend with your shirt off. I don't know if you're allowed to do that. I guess you could at a tiki bar. Why not? Right? I, I mean, I don't even know if I have to wear pasties if I did that. But these vacationers leaving, and then we have the, uh, the uh, spring breakers coming down. Yesterday was Sunday. Today's Monday, obviously. Yesterday was Sunday. And we went to the Island Fest. And it is a... Uh, an event held at Founders Park in Amarada, a lovely park on the Bayside. And they have a bunch of vendors, local artists and craftsmen and people that sell products, different restaurants, uh, organizations, put up booths. And they have sand sculpting competitions. It's right on the beach there. they got a beautiful beach. A lot of people stop by um, and moor their boats outside the bathing area and they have some bands and it was such a beautiful day and we made it um, the wife and I decided to go down there and there was a little traffic going in but there's still plenty of parking and plenty of room and uh, when I started noticing the trend of traffic getting lighter and access at the supermarket being easier and things like that I don't actually cheer right away. I do take advantage of it. Go places I normally wouldn't go in season. But I do that comes with a little regret. And a little regret is there's less people down here. And you know there's less you get to hear less stories and things like that coming contact with other people. I like to at this time of year I I, uh, I mean but I still have the regulars. And then people, and there's people that hold themselves up when it's real busy and they don't really go out. But then when it starts lighting up, they do go out. And I did a little uh, research on my own. When I noticed there was less traffic, I, I quickly went online and started looking at the hotel rooms for the next week or so. And the prices have gone down anywhere from uh, 30 to 50%, which are still kind of a little high. They're kind of like right now, with the drop, they're around what they were peak about two years ago. Before COVID hit. So, I'm hoping that the 
prices that were being charged for lodging down here will not drive people away from coming back here again. Maybe they'll just look at it and say, hey, listen, let's see if the, oh, the price is lower this year. That's good. But we had, we did have a really good year. And it's still, we have a couple of weekends coming up. And the transition goes from people, we always get people coming from other places, but we don't get the volume. I'm only saying coming from other places, coming from out of state, out of country, coming to visit. We get uh, the mix or the percentages uh, start skewing more to overseas travelers and also uh, people from South Florida coming down for the weekend. So our weekends get really busy. Weekdays, not so much. You get some people that come down from... You know that uh, from the south, the people with vacation homes in the peak season, they normally rent to vacationers. So that is definitely something we we do look forward for the weekends and things like that. But it does free up our weeks, and so we end up going on vacation in the summertime. We as a whole, meaning people that live down here. Now, if you're retired down here, a lot of people take vacations during peak season. They want to go on a cruise, they go on a cruise to get out of Dodge when it's crowded down here. So I understand that completely. And that being said, I belong to a couple websites, bartending uh, groups, and one of the bartending groups called Traveling Bartender. Now, I realized that was a thing. I didn't realize it, it was a big enough thing that would they'd have Facebook groups for it. But there's all these bartenders that seem to move around from festival to festival, like Coachella or the one in South Dakota. What's the one? The bike one in South Dakota. Drawing a plank. The... Uh, well, any any time we have a conglomeration of people, if you think about it, you have a big festival, Daytona Bike Week. The numbers of people quadruple when you say, well, you're not hiring. If you're a regular bar and stuff like that, you're not going to hire people for a week. I mean, who would take a job for a week? You could. They are hiring people for a week, but they're temps. And there are people that come in and they say, no, listen, I'm here, the bartender. And generally they put them in places that they are most effective, meaning like handle, you know, selling beer, doing things. They keep the regular bartenders inside because they know the whole systems and things like that. And I thought, wow, that is something I would surely love to do if I wasn't so old. <laughs> I just think, wow, going to, oh man, I got to remember that one. The one in South Dakota. And I can't, for the life of me, can't remember. I don't know if it's COVID brain or not. I, I, I can't, but I did, what I did is I thought about being a traveling bartender. And I said, you know what? I have some places that I know the proprietors and I can do it too. I would love to do that. And I have a friend in Philadelphia, uh, the owner of McGeehan's Rock Bottom Tavern. It's on the corner. It's actually on Cottage Street as it intersects Cotman. But I'd say it's on the corner. 
more on Cottage, but in Northeast Philadelphia. And it's been around for, gosh, probably over 90 years. Because they were around since Prohibition time. The, I think it was Prohibition, right at the beginning of Prohibition when it was more of a candy soda jerk place. And I'm informed Pat, I said, I've always wanted to bartend a shift there. It was one of my local hangout. And he says, well, you name the time and I'll be able to do it. You know, I'll, I'll take care of that. And I said, oh, I appreciate that. I definitely wouldn't hold someone to it because I don't know if I'd necessarily want me behind. If I was the owner, I would want me behind the bar. But I will do it. I'll look into a couple ones. But I do enjoy doing that. I like being a visiting bartender sometimes. I've done it other places, done an out job. When I went to the Keys Island Fest, I ran into a friend of mine at one of the tents that were serving up cocktails to the people there. I wasn't participating in that, but they said, they uh, flagged me over and said they ran into a couple who was getting married and they wanted to know if they could get a, get a hold of a bartender. And they mentioned me. I thought, oh, well, I, I, do like, I do like bartending weddings. I haven't done one in a long, long time, over 20 years maybe. Yeah, I don't recall bartending a wedding for over 20 years. Probably something interesting to do. Nothing to kind of spark things up. I like to change things up. And I do that on a regular basis with my jobs. I, I explain to people that a lot of times, and this is the way I am, but I imagine because of the you know the variation in people that there's a lot of people like me after you become particularly proficient at a particular job, it starts becoming boring and you got to focus on a different part of it. I like focusing on the people when I'm bartending. I mean, there's things I, could, I, be, I can become better at. But I do. I like focusing on the people. That's the only thing that keeps it new and original and fresh. Almost anything I do, I like to change up. When I focus on things, when I do my notary thing, I'll focus on the wedding part. I mean, notaries can sign, um, can officiate weddings, uh, but they can also do loan signings for mortgages and legal courier. I like, I like to mix it up. Another job I have, I do as a spin instructor. And when I first started doing this about nine years ago, if you're not familiar with spin, it's just indoor cycling and you try to set the mood with music, energy, speed, resistance, uh, different positions on the bikes, intensities, concentrating on your RPMs, on the amount of power you're imparting to pedals and things like that. But using music to elicit uh, a response from people, motivating them. And when I first started spinning, I used these uh, list. I, I would make these, um, download these play um, playlist, and it work out for forty five minutes. About thirteen to fourteen songs, including cool down and warm up and all that. And I realized after I built like thirty of these playlists that I would use only about eight of them. And then I because I really thought those eight were good 
and the other 22 were not so hot. And then among, among those eight, there were some really good ones on there, and I played them. And then I realized, wow, this is getting kind of stale. I'm doing the same thing. People are getting an expectation. They're pre... They're guessing, like, this is when he's going to do... Uh, we do things like uh, sprints, interval sprints, climbs, jumps, resistance changes on the the resistance to the pedal so at one point you'll be sprinting at a high rate of speed and then you add resistance then you'll be going into a climb and I became more predictable and I said wow I didn't want to be predictable how am I going to be able to change this and then I realized those those playlists were the things that were tying me to to redundancy or to commonplace things, getting used to things. And I said, well, what's the thing I could do to change that up? And then I started changing up, putting music. I started putting music in the categories. Instead of pre-selecting music before I start the class, I picked the music while I'm in the class, while I'm doing the spin. And... I don't know if there's any other spin instructor. I'm sure there is. There's so many. There's probably 100,000 spin instructors in the United States, at least. There's bound to be a couple. And what I do is I group them into categories. I have up to like 40 songs for climbs or climbs that turn into sprints or climbs that are sprints on a hill or jumps or interval sprints or Tabata sprints. Tabata sprints, you know, it's like 20-second sprints, 10-second rest of you know, a series of eight. And I put them, break them into categories, and I'll just not pre-select before, and I'll try to change up the song. I say, oh, I've been playing that song a lot. I'm not going to use that. I'm going to do this category. I'm going to do this type of song to elicit this type of workout. And for that, doing that, that little thing, which isn't a major thing. It's not like I created a new technique. It allowed me to become more spontaneous when I'm spinning. It was kind of like the mad, it's a mad lib of exercise, meaning, you know, I can make, I know at this point I'm either going to do this or that. And I got to put in the mad lib, it'll say verb or adjective, or this, and you just, they'll give you a narrative and you do it. When That's where you're filling in the blanks. Well, I'm filling the blanks with the songs that tell me what kind of workout I'm going to do. And those things keep me fresh. And people say, you know, you play that song a lot. I'll delete that song. I'll delete that song and move it to another list and say, listen, I'm not going to play this for like six months. And that's what works for me. So, I try to apply those spontaneity or changing things up to my life to do something different. When I go to the gym and I'm not spinning, let's say I'm not working, I go to the gym tomorrow, and I have my routine. I do about 18 different exercises, use about uh, six, seven different machines. I do bench, I do a bunch of free weights, um, some isometric exercises and things like that, some calisthenics, uh, some cardio, very, you know, not a lot of cardio because I teach cardio and I get cardio there. 
When someone's on a machine and they're seeming to be taking a long time, I could either get resentful about it or I can think, wow, I wanted to work out this muscle group, but this person's on this machine. I could say something to them. I can go up to them and say, hey, listen, you're spent over 20 minutes on this machine. Could you please share it with someone? I don't say that. What I do is I go and use another machine because I realize I'm doing the same thing. I can get stuck in a rut. And that rut, whether it be a workout or doing the same thing, when eating the same thing when I come home or drinking the same thing like coffee every day. I'm not, it's not going to include booze, but um, it could be something. I could be drinking tea, a protein drink, or something like that. That just changes things up. And I thought a year ago, Right after my uh, health issue, I said that changing things up would probably mean I needed to make incremental changes because my body wasn't going the direction I wanted to go. I am aging. There's nothing I could do about it. There's there's no way to stop aging, but there are ways to age gracefully. I don't know if it's gracefully. I don't know if I'm aging gracefully. I may not be aging gracefully. I could be aging reluctantly or can be aging angrily because what I'm trying to do is you know my eyes are getting bad my hearing's getting bad uh, my muscles are sore when I'm done working my whole body hurts my whole body hurts and then I'm going to know I have to stretch and do things and change it up but since a year ago, I said, you know what? I can't, I can't stop getting those illnesses that everyone gets. I can't stop. That just happens every so often. You could try to do your best. I can eat right, not be diabetic, but something else could come up and get me. I can end up getting shingles. And there's things you could do about that. Yeah, you can get the uh, vaccine against shingles or you just try to reduce your exposure by doing the best you can. The best you can to protect your your health. And I talk to people regularly. It seems like when I tell people that I don't drink, and then they ask me a couple of times, I tell them exactly what I do for that. When they when they ask me about my, they say, "Well, uh, what do you do?" They fit, and I tell them that, and they think, "Oh, wow." And I said, "No, the reason I'm motivated, uh, I'm not trying to impress you." The, the reason I may work out so hard is several reasons. First of all, I want to be able to work as long as I can because that's my retirement plan, to work as long as I can <laughs> until like a, a year before I die. <laughs> that I don't do well with extra time on my hands. Hence the podcast, the spinning, the notary business, and the bartending. So it's good to be busy. In order to be working as long as I can, i got to be fit to be able to work, so that helps. And I want to be comfortable while I'm doing it, and comfortable while I'm doing it is being fit enough to be able to do the job without being hurt. And another reason is my ego, too. Now, I ended up being a spin instructor about two years ago. What was it, two, three, three years ago, before all this stuff happened. We had snowbirds come back the same 
type of snowbirds that I say goodbye to just in the past couple of weeks. And one of them told the wife, said, hey, listen, what have you been feeding him? Seems to have put on a little weight. And I did. And I eschewed doing any core strengthening or, or workout on my stomach and the back. Now I concentrate. That's one of the main things I do when I go to the gym is back, you know, something on a weight machine, a cable machine for my back, maybe some planks, inclined sit-ups as much as I can. There's probably virtually no chance of me getting a six-pack. I'm still maybe a two-pack, sometimes a four-pack. Not two-pack, two-pack. But I, I do have a more defined midsection. And... I guess that's one of the impressions I want to give. So I'm a spin instructor. No, you get that from spin? No, not just from spin. Not just from spin. I just move it in there. And I tell people and say, listen, yes, I understand that you say that you're so busy. You're so busy, you could not possibly find the time to exercise or take a spin class or do that. And they say, well, what are you doing right now? Well, I'm unwinding. I have a drink. This is what I like to do. Well, say, well, maybe. What do you do after this? Well, I go home and rest. And then what do you do after that? I try to go to sleep, but I don't sleep well at night. I said, well, what if I told you that if you took three hours a week, spread across the week, that's a half hour a day or a little less, and did something for yourself, take care of your body, what do you mean I'm making a little incremental change to that? I'm not telling you to stop drinking, not doing that, but you can find a time, less half hour here. Maybe a half hour, you know, maybe, you know, 15 minutes here, 10 minutes there, five minutes there from what you did, like not sleeping at night. And maybe that exercise could help you sleep, help you feel better, feel better about yourself and help you to make the change that you really want to see in yourself. It's, physical fitness is not about all about just making you look good or feel good. It also helps you with your state of mind. There's something that happens to you psychologically when you start taking care of yourself in one aspect. When I quit smoking, I wanted to eat better. Because I said, well, why, why am I quitting smoking? Because I want to take care of my lungs. I don't want to have a problem. I don't want to be on a breathing apparatus when I get older. So... And one of the things they tell you to do, substitute some healthy eating with that. You, and the, they also said, like, use mints or candies or something. Reward yourself. Well, you got to be careful. You don't want to end up being eating, like, donuts instead of having a, a cigarette. But eating a carrot really could help. Broccoli or something like that. Substitute a good thing for the bad thing. Incremental changes. Incremental changes. And the more kind things you do to yourself, kind, where you take care of yourself, thoughtful, think of your body as some something you care about, that you really care about it. As if, think about yourself as the friend. Be the friend to yourself that you want your friend to be. Does your friend care about your health? Does your friend support you? Does your friend want you to be around for a while? Yeah. 
So do those things. Treat be for your friend yourself. Your friend motivate yourself. Tell yourself, say, I'm going to go and walk today. I'm going to walk once around the block. Do that three days a week. If you don't get any exercise, do one walk around the block or whatever you can manage. And then the next week, go a little further. Go a little further and then turn around and come back. Go one block and a quarter and come back. I mean, actually, that would be a block and a half, wouldn't it? You do a quarter of a block and you come back. But um, I mean one block and then a quarter of a block and then turn around. But either way, you're adding it. And make these incremental changes. And it would not, it'd be no time you would start getting in the habit of always taking that walk. And then you can add something. Maybe you can add some weights. There was a man uh, who was walking down here for years, I see him, when I'm coming back from the gym. He's an older man. He's in the late 70s. And he always wear his big, straw cowboy hat. And he'd have his hands up in the air like he's surrendering. But he'd be walking. Or like he had him had his palms facing his ears, his arms at 90-degree angles and walking down there. And I imagine it has something to do with his blood flow. And for years I've seen him do it. And just this week or the past week, I noticed he was carrying like two and a half pound weights. Now that guy's been doing it for years and he was in his 70s then when he started doing it. He's got to be close to 80 now. And now he added weights. That's an incremental change. Two and a, two and a half pounds, not a lot of weight. I understand that. But it's doing something. And you'd be surprised that you can improve at any age. You really can. I told you that. You heard that story probably a million times uh, years years back. In the last 10 years or 15 years, uh, the gentleman who broke the over the over 100 years of age, 100-meter uh, sprint, broke the record for it, was the same person that set the record several years before. And they said, well, it's the same person. What's the big deal? There's probably not that many people over 100 running. No, but what I'm saying is the guy ran or walked really briskly 100 meters. And that time, because he's probably the only one did it, was set as the time. And then several years later, he improved that time. That is a demonstration of no matter what age you can improve your time. And at a time in your life when you're over 100, you expect a precipitous decline in your physical condition. This guy was able to improve that time. So there's no, you know, people, when they think it's too late, it's never too late. People in their 50s and 60s, they can improve their health. They can lose weight. They can do all sorts of things. They can eat right. They start cutting back. I mean, it's insidious. Getting into sh- when someone's morbidly, morbidly obese, morbidly obese. I'm not talking about people that have weight problems. I'm morbidly obese. They did not spend one day putting themselves in that situation. It was incremental. The gains were incremental, and the declines will be incremental if we just stick to a goal. And make it manageable and concerted. And that's all I have for today. Um, 
I want to wait. I want to finish up. The Ukraine is doing fabulous right now. What doing fabulous in comparison to what happened in the beginning? When you say fabulous, some horrible horrors that occur. There's some war crimes things, but they are pushing back against the Russian aggression. Uh, we're hoping that they keep on getting the aid, the humanitarian aid, the military aid they need, and the political support they need from all the allies. And hopefully with the eventual uh, eyes toward victory, we hope they're able to rebuild. Um, so if you have the opportunity to donate anything to a reputable charity, please do so. Uh, Save the uh, Children Ukraine's a good uh, charity, and also Doctors Without Borders. And there's also some military ones too. But be sure to check because there's also a lot of less reputable people that are taking advantage of a bad situation by putting up bogus charities up there. That is not a reason not to give. So if you feel guilty about not doing something, there's something you can do to change that. By, uh, you know, do a little effort, do a little background research, and then you can donate. Thank you very much. Have a great day, and I'll be back later on in the week. I'll do a couple episodes this week. Bye.